Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am in conversation with playwright Michelle Collis Brooks on her docuplay War Words, which just so happens to be getting two pretty big and free presentations on opposite coasts next week in commemoration of Veterans Day. The first will be happening in New York on Tuesday, November 9th at 7.30 p.m. on The Intrepid, and the other will be happening on Thursday, November 11th, Veterans Day proper, at Los Angeles' The Actors Gang Theater. After realizing that she didn't truly know any service members, Michelle spoke to over two dozen current and former members of the military to learn what led them to joining the service in the first place, what it takes to actually choose that life and career, what these individuals hoped to do after their service time was over, and much more. This is a really interesting conversation about being open to the different types of people that we don't often find populating our lives, and it truly had so many different applications to today's world than just the connections that Michelle was looking for with the military. We, of course, will have information on how you can secure tickets to the free presentations in New York and Los Angeles in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Michelle Collis Brooks. Michelle, I want to start the conversation with this quote from General Petraeus that is on a lot of the press materials and on the website um, for war words. And it talks about the fact that even though Americans still tend to have a lot of gratitude and admiration for service members because of the way the military has changed. It's gotten smaller. It's very isolated. A lot of people just don't know many service members, especially um, younger ones that are still active duty. And and I wonder, as we go into these two um, different performances of the show on both coasts uh, of the country around Veterans Day, what was the impetus to bring all of these stories together um, and kind of help make these service members actual real life flesh and blood human beings, even if there are actors telling the stories, but actually using their real words? Um, that's a great question. Um, I actually embarked on this journey because of the very reason that General Petraeus gave. Um, I didn't know anybody in the military. I didn't know anybody who had who had served, who was serving. I live in a very progressive little bubble in Venice, California, um, where you don't see a lot of military. Um, you know, my my father was in the reserves for like five minutes back in, you know, around the <laughs> Vietnam War and my my father-in-law was in World War II, and that's and that's the closest that I got. And um, you know, it occurred to me at some point that I I thought that I was this very like progressive, open person without prejudice, but I had very distinct ideas of who people were in the military. And um, so I set about to try to get to know people as people and not as warriors and see what it was that, um, why there was this big divide between all of us. Um, and, uh, it was, it was, it was humbling. It was very humbling. And I learned a lot and I'm embarrassed to, to, to think that I 
thought the way I did, you know, before all this with this idea that that people in the military were all um, people who liked war or who were too poor to have any other choices. So they went into the military or, or you know, all those all those stereotypes. Um, you know, I'm embarrassed that, that those are the ones that I sat with. So so I'm glad that I did this. I'm glad that I did this project personally as well as professionally. Yeah. And that's interesting because to get ready for our conversation, I pulled up those same demographics um, because I feel like I probably had a lot of similar ideas that it was generally um, lower income people trying to find a way out. And then there was a, a you know, a different uh, socioeconomic background that is actually true, a different racial and ethnic background that is probably actually true. And a, a lot of the same preconceived notions that I had, I feel like you were saying you had uh, as well. And if you look at the hard data that I'm looking at, that seems to be different than what I thought, but it also sounds like it's different than what you thought when you actually went out and talked to these people. When you when you find that this is how you want to approach this with this docudrama style thing, how do you how did you go about getting in touch with these people? You said you didn't really know anybody uh, who is serving, especially active in the military. What was the process like of finding the right people to talk to and, and, and getting them comfortable enough to talk to you about some probably pretty difficult and emotional topics? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I just threw a very, very wide net. I just asked everybody I knew who knew anybody who knew anybody to um, hook me up with anybody they knew in the military. I kind of went in, you know, a little like, (laughs) I don't really mean this how it sounds, but like a little stupidly, like, I'm just going to ask people, you know, I'm just going to ask. And, and in some ways, I actually think going in with that kind of wide eyed um, curiosity is what gave people permission to open up to me in a way because I, I went in and I, and I sort of said what I said to you, like, I've had all these ideas of who people are in the military and um, I I, want to understand. And I want to be, I think if you can explain to somebody like me why you do what you do, then I can explain to, to my community that knows nothing about you. And, um, and, you know, People were incredibly generous and really, 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 I was amazed by how willing they were to talk. And um, what was so moving for me was that at the end of almost every conversation, they thanked me for listening to them. And I always said, well, (laughs) you know, thank you for taking two hours of your day. Um, which is probably far more busier than mine and telling me your story. And they always said, but you don't understand. Nobody cares about us. Like, nobody actually wow. cares. And that I heard that again and again and again. And I was so surprised, but the truth was I didn't care before either. I mean, like, I mean, it's not like I didn't care, care, but like, I didn't yeah. think about it. You know, I didn't think about the fact that there had been, there was a war going on for 20 years that we barely heard anything about and that was still active and people were still getting killed. I didn't know anything about interpreters, um, which we're all learning about getting an education about now. I never thought about that stuff. And so, you know, so I I started to get what they were saying about nobody really caring. And, and I also came to understand, um, and I apologize because maybe I'm going off a little bit, but I get super excited. I nerd out on this stuff now, but um, I um, I also didn't understand that 
like it's kind of a national security issue. You know what I mean? Like we have to have people who feel supported if they, if we expect, if we expect a very, very small part of our population to go out and do the things that we're not going to do. I'm in theater. I'm not going to go volunteer, you know, (laughs) to go to the front lines. We have to, we have to take some of the, at the very least, some of the emotional burden for these people um, to show that we support them, not just by saying like, thank you for your service, but by like having an investment, by caring, by asking some questions, because um, if we don't care about them, why should they care about us? Yeah. And why should they, why should they do the hard work for us? You know, um, it's it, it's uh, hard enough to get people to uh, to sign up now as it is. And if you, especially in LA where I am right now, when you see like the, especially like the homeless population around the VA, um, it doesn't look appealing. Yeah. It doesn't look like somebody that you, something that you would want to do. So I feel like we have to, we have to share in some at the very least in some of that emotional toil that these people who are representing us are, 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 are doing. Yeah. It, it, that's interesting. The way you explained that when people, you know, maybe understand intellectually what a service member goes through, but doesn't internalize in it and, and feel it. It's, it, it's not dissimilar in some ways, and obviously they're very different circumstances, but from the way that we have kind of all over the last year and a half embraced frontline workers and essential workers, and yet we still don't do that with service members where we had this whole big push about healthcare workers and caring about them and even everything, everybody down to like grocery store workers, yet it's that same emotional um, work and understanding and sympathy that we still to this day don't give to a lot of military members. And it might have to do with a lot of those preconceived notions and prejudices that we all that we seem to have, uh, even if they aren't necessarily true anymore. Or if they ever were, if they ever were. Right, right. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, We, we, (laughs) I think that we also kind of think, well, they know what they signed up for. Well, okay. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you want it that you want to get shot at. That doesn't mean that you want to shoot anybody else. That doesn't mean that you want to endure and see some of the horrible things that you want to see. Um, and also what I, what I really also didn't understand is, you know, is I, I sort of thought in the, mil- <laughs> the military uh, as uh, people who go like bang, 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 bang. Right. But, um, but also they like do infrastructure. Like if a small village, you know, outside of Baghdad goes dark, like they figure out how to get the electrical going. Like they, they fix the sewer system. Like they do a lot of stuff that we really don't understand um, and stuff that you don't see in the movies that is so valuable for us coming, you know, when they come home as a society um, they have, they, they've got skills, these skilled people in many, many different ways, and they have to be very adaptable. They have to be very nimble. It's not just taking orders. Like they've got to adapt to a lot of situations and we don't, we don't make use of them in a, in a really good way. Yeah. And the thing that I learned for sure is they want to be useful. You know, even when they come back home, they want yeah. to be useful. They want to serve. It's they're pretty cool. 
as a general <laughs> population. They're really, really amazing people in my well, experience. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because obviously I actually, let me ask how many veterans or active duty members did you actually speak to for this project? Do do you know um, a number or rough estimate? I mean, I think I interviewed about 20, 25 people. I interviewed a few after two, um, and some of them got combined. Gosh, I can't remember. But it was something like that. And then I, I was like, I have to stop because it's all <laughs> it's all too good. I had, you know, every single person, like I said, I talked to you for probably about two hours. And um, and then I had to reduce it all. You know, you can only put people, you can only have people sitting in an audience looking at a stage for so long, Matt, right? 50, like, 50 hours is a heck right? of a marathon show, yeah. <laughs> right? So I had to cut everything down to like all the different interviews down to like three minutes a piece. And that was really... It wasn't just hard to do as a writer, but it was, you know, hard to do emotionally because I had to leave so much good stuff out. Well, I, I wonder, it, obviously, 25 or whatever people, that's a, you know, a, not an insignificant amount of people. And they all have their own different stories and their own backgrounds and their own perspectives and, and experiences. But I wonder if there was something, whether it was that usefulness, they wanted to be useful when they got back um, or something else that they all had in common. Obviously they are all military members, current or former, and they all have similar experiences, but as individuals, was there something about them as people that you saw as a through line from one interview subject to another? Um, gosh, they were also different. Absolutely. But, yeah. But I will say that, you know, I was my the first question I asked everybody was, um, why, why did you decide to serve? And because um, and people, but people always said to me, like, oh, nobody's ever asked me that before. And I thought, really, that's wow. to me, that's the first question, because it's never something that would ever enter my mind to do. Um, and they all. <laughs> the, the only common thread I can really think of that is that they're, they're all way tougher than me as just human beings. I mean, just like, <laughs> or have like, a, or have maybe more, um, uh, more of a sense of adventure or more, I don't know, like, like when a, um, a guy I interviewed who was a, a drone pilot, he said something to me like, you know, everybody wants to jump out of an airplane. And I was like, I don't want to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> Not everybody wants to jump out of an airplane. And I felt like there was a little bit of everyone jumps, wants to jump out of an airplane-ness about all of them that I don't have, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's the only common thread I can think of. But and 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 I would say the majority of them really did have an interest in serving and in being of service to something bigger than themselves. I wouldn't say that that was true with everyone. There were some of them that were lost and looking for purpose. Um, but I would say the majority of people really were interested in serving their country um, and not in kind of a wrapping yourself in the flag kind of patriotism that I associated with it, but like this really legit, hey, I want to give back. 
Yeah. And it's so interesting that this show, this docudrama using the real words um, of U.S. service members is now being done both in New York on November 9th on The Intrepid and then in Los Angeles on actually Veterans Day with a cast that features U.S. military veterans. How important was that? Um, and I don't know how much you were involved with that decision, but, you know, what does that bring uh, extra to this show that having just really talented actors um, wouldn't be able to add? Well, I think, yeah, that's, it's really, it was a wonderful decision on the part of um, the, the director who's directing in, in New York and LA, Justin Reinsilber and um, New York rep that's producing in New York and LA. It's in a few other cities as well, but, specifically on the Intrepid and in LA is being produced by um, New York rep. Hmm. And they really thought it was important to have uh, veteran veterans who are also actors, which is great. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think, I think one of the great things, so we did a workshop production in LA in December, 2019, before everything, you know, before the world closed down and, um, there were a couple, actually a couple of actors I hired that I didn't even know were veterans. And um, what was great was that they could, um, they could, you know, talk to also talk to the rest of the cast and kind of share stories and share experiences and give a little more um, context to things where uh, I might've missed, you know, in the script um, because I was so busy shaving everything down. So I think that really brings, you know, a different kind of, heart to all of it. Um, my initial idea was just, I wanted the stories to get out in the best possible way. Cause sometimes people have great stories, but they don't know how to tell them. Sure. Um, but to have the bonus. So to have the bonus of great actors also being vets is like, that's, that's like a perfect system right there. Yeah. Well, and you talk about wanting these stories to to get out there the way that New York rep talks about it. And I know the artistic director, the former artistic director has kind of said like the the point of this was almost like a a community service to get these uh, experiences and these messages and these um, points of view out to the general public, because we just don't generally see these types of things uh, talked about in our news and entertainment. I, I wonder, is there a, a message? I hate to boil it down to, you know, such a complex thing down to that, but is there, is there something from this show that you think is a, a takeaway for an audience member who maybe comes in like you or me, who doesn't really know anybody from the military will be able to take away with them? Yeah, I mean, I think we just, we, we all have to get to know each other. You know, we all have to, we, we have to make space for the other, whether that's somebody of a different ethnicity or somebody of a different religion or somebody in the military, in some kind of community that we don't normally associate with. I mean, I, I hope that what, people come away with um, is, is just, you know, an open-mindedness about, about specifically people in the military and that their stories might surprise you and that they're worth listening to and they're worth investing in. 
Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at the news right now. How, how much are we hearing about Afghanistan? We've yeah. still got people there. They're still there, right? We've still got people trapped there. Um, as a matter of fact, some of the guys that I interviewed have been very, very instrumental about getting um, and getting people out. And they're still working on getting people out. Wow. Um, and they're not, that's, that's not part of their paycheck anymore. You know, they're working day and night. Um, and if you, I don't know if you'll have a chance to see the show, but, but some of the, the real people will be up on stage with me afterwards talking yeah. about that. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I just want everybody to see, for, I want, you know, I really want everybody's mind to be open the way that mine was opened and um, to see these people as people. And so that when you, when you see a story on the news or you read a story in the paper that you might just care a little bit more than you did last time that you read a story like this. And, and I, I, that caring goes a long way. And it also informs, you know, who we vote for <laughs> when we put people into office that might be a little capricious about sending our people overseas. Yeah. So we have to be a part of that investment. You you mentioned the the talk back. There will be a, a talk back in uh, at the New York per, performance on November 9th at seven thirty at the Intrepid. That you'll have that talk back following, um, and we'll have information where everybody can uh, get tickets uh, to that. And I believe it's free, right? It, it, people can come for free, but it it's is. but um, you have to sign up. So we'll have information on how you can get that uh, in the show notes. But I I, I want to end on this question, and it's because it you kind of just touched on it about. Um, what people can learn and, and kind of maybe for you as well, but did, or I got not even say did, cause it sounds like I, I know the answer to whether this, this process changed you, but, uh, other than just kind of opening your eyes to who these people are, which that's kind of the obvious thing beyond that, how did talking to these people going through the process of diving into their interviews and cutting them down and crafting this play, how, how has that changed you in the way you look at not just the military and veterans, but yourself, the, the world, the country uh, in, in general? You know, um, I really see us all now in a way that is far more interconnected than I had ever imagined. Um, and sometimes that's not fun <laughs> to feel sure. because when you're connected, you have responsibility. Um, as a matter of fact, um, one of the guys I interviewed who, uh, is very, very involved. He's getting, he gets emails and phone calls from Afghans every single day that are trying to get out. We were texting back and forth. Cause I was saying, you know, I've been reading this and what's going on and what can I do? And what can I, what information can I put out? And uh, at some point I said to him, you know, sometimes I wish I never met you. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't know any of this, you know? Um, because now I care, <laughs> caring is hard. Um, but, but in the end, um, in the end, I really am glad. And, uh, I think that's, that's just how I've changed. I just, I care about something I didn't care about before. And I think that makes me a, I'd like to think that makes me like a more well-rounded person. Yeah. I, I don't think that caring uh, about people is ever is ever a bad thing so uh that is certainly a a good thing to open up 
the arms and, and welcome more people into that. So, uh, Michelle, thank you so much. This is a, a fascinating subject. And as somebody who does have military members in their family, but older and not active duty, I think this is uh, a, a wonderful project. And, and I hope that not only people in New York and L.A. get to see it and appreciate it, but like you said, there are productions in, in many other places. So I hope that uh the story of war words gets spread far and wide and we can kind of uh, get rid of some of those prejudices and stereotypes that we both had uh, beforehand. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate you saying that.